Welcome to the Healthpreneur Show with Uriel Kine. We're so glad you're here. Every episode, we're going to bring advice and conversations with experts that will help you grow your health business. Let's dive in. What's up, guys? Yuri here. Welcome back to the Healthpreneur Show. Today, we have a former lawyer turned coach for young professionals, digital course creator, and speaker who helps others become the most authentic version of themselves and build out lives that truly light them up. Her name is Katie Fenn. What's up, Katie? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to have you here. We actually did an episode with um, another couple a couple weeks ago who had a similar trajectory. Started off in law, got sick of it, and went into fitness. So talk to me about... Now, I'm going to make an assumption here. This is just based on my experience. I have not met many people in law who love what they do. And maybe that's just a blanket overstatement. But what got you into moving from that profession into doing what you're doing now? I'll actually say I'm a bit of an anomaly in that I loved law. What did you love about it? I I loved the intellectual stimulation of it. I loved um, meeting new clients all the time. And I loved in a time where clients were going through a lot of stress and were, were really overwhelmed that I could be this, this steady, um, calming force for them in their lives and to make law, which feels, uh, law often feels very big and scary to people, particularly when they're, I was a litigator. So I'm like dealing with lawsuits as they're happening. And I was always dealing with people who are being defended. Um, and, and so I love that. I loved making something that felt, you know, scary to people just, you know, really, um, a lot more accessible. So I love that. I love the, you know, I, I, uh, I find the law really fascinating and so, so the law itself, I found fascinating, but also the work, like I really, I really enjoyed it. So that's why I always start off when people ask me about leaving law, I, it's a unique situation in that I actually didn't intend to leave. Um, but what happened is that while I loved law, I became more and more passionate um, about really teaching people to connect in with themselves. And it sort of took on a life of its own. And so I feel like I always share my story from from the perspective of you can have multiple passions and also that if you surrender to your path and you're really listening to your intuition and you're showing up for opportunities as they come, they might end up leading you in a different direction um, and and a way that's even more aligned or authentic for you. That is so cool. It's kind of like being in love with two people. Yes, actually, one of you, know, one of um, early on, a mentor of me said that, and he was one of the first people I met who had had. He used to be in real estate, and then he got into coaching, and he he runs these amazing events now. And he said, you know, it's like being in a long term relationship, and then all of a sudden meeting your soulmate. And I was like, oh my god, that's exactly what it is. I was in this stable, committed relationship, and then all of a sudden I met my soulmate, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to change some things in my life now. Yeah, so that's. Okay. I mean, like if we, with the relationship, uh, as a, as an analogy, just kind of like for the viewers, just keeping that in mind, how do you go from, I've been in this relationship, everything's great. We've built this amazing journey together to, I need to be with the thing or the, the soulmate that I know I need to be with or do the thing that I know I need to do here. Yeah. I think that part of it is, is firstly honoring the relationship that you've been in first. So it's not about like seeing the shiny next thing and, and jumping immediately into that. And I 
share that a lot with people when they're first starting, because I think a lot of the time you meet the soulmate or you get the idea of, of the business you want to start. And I think a lot of people, in my opinion, leap too soon. They don't have a solid foundation built and they leap into something without fully thinking it through. Same if you were in a relationship and all of a sudden you come home and you say, I'm leaving you for this person I just met. Um, and so I think the first thing is to honor honor the, the where you've been at, the stage that you've been at, the job that you've had, the relationship that you've had. What have you learned there? Um, what, what, who did you become in that? What, and, and to really process that fully of, of just getting to a point where you feel complete, that regardless of what's coming next, that you feel like you've learned everything that you were intended to learn there and have really reflected on that. And so you can leave it with grace and also feeling clear. And then while you're simultaneously doing that, or once you've done that, then I think when it comes to, you know, like jumping forward toward the soulmate, it's building a foundation. It's not just like going off an idea or going off the passion or whatever else of really having built out or been thoughtful about what the life or the next chapter with that person or with that job is actually going to look like. That's awesome. And were you kind of like moonlighting as, you know, while you're doing your legal work, starting to build the foundation off hours for the dream? What, like, walk us through what that looked like for you for those first, like, and what, what, what length of time was that from the time you started thinking about this to like the full leap? So it was a five-year process for me. Um, so I, I built it out. Um, I built it out over the course of five years on the side of my law practice. So I was a lawyer for six years. So like, basically, I was only a lawyer for the first year. And then after that, this, this started to build out. Um, and basically, for me, every what what was helpful for that about for me and for other people who who are you know working careers and building out their own businesses on the side um i think that what it does is it allows you to fully um explore new you know each creation fully and really lay a solid foundation of it so that each thing builds so i first started teaching meditation then the next year after that i started coaching and then the next year after that i started to lead women's circles and host these gatherings for women. And then from there, that then expanded into retreats in year four. And then in year five, I added online coaching and online programs. And so by the time that I fully left law, I had you know a solid foundation of teaching meditation and meditation workshops, the coaching and that that I've been doing at that point for five years. And so it really, you know, it was a solid foundation for me that I left into. And I think while some people that's not, you know, that's not the move for them. I know other people maybe were like me and, and were a bit more, you know, a bit more pragmatic and a bit more, um, I think that there's something to be said for building a solid foundation as opposed to, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are taught just, you know, jump off the ledge and into the unknown and you'll be caught. And that's just like, you know, I was a lawyer, like that's not my personality. <laughs> um, so I was like, I'm going to, if I'm going to build this, I'm going to build it right. And I'm going to not put pressure on myself on a timeline. And that's, and that's in the end, what it looked like for me. And, and by the time it left, it was really because the business had taken on a life of its own. Um, and so it was like a really natural exit for me from law at that point. That's cool. What, how do you find being an entrepreneur versus working in a law firm? Like what are some of the similarities and what are some of the differences? I think that um, both really push your edges um, in terms of growth. I think, you know, 
law is the type of place where you're, you know, it's built on you being wrong and having to prove that you're not wrong. Um, so I find that, that that was a challenge that's still true. I feel like I'm, I'm often, I'm not having to prove that I'm not wrong anymore, but, but I am, you know, being an entrepreneur is always, you know, losing or having setbacks or having failures and having to, to not make it mean anything and to not take it personally. Um, and so learning to not take things personally, both in law and entrepreneurship are two things that, that I find very similar. Um, however, one of the biggest differences that I find is, you know, in law, you have a billable hour target. It's very much like hours in, hours out. The more you build, the more that you're rewarded for it. And for me, particularly as a woman, what I've loved is, is being able to just follow the rhythm of my own cycles of, of inspiration, of creativity, of when I need to rest, of when I'm feeling, you know, really energized and when I'm not. And that for me, that freedom to be able to kind of live a bit more um, in a cycle has been a really, really powerful thing that I think is when you go into entrepreneurship is something that's available to you. Um, that's not in those, you know, jobs that require you to be on certain times of the day every single week. Yeah, no kidding. Um, is the Harvey Specter suits world the reality? Because I love that show. I wasn't, I'm not sure if that's really, you know, how it works behind the scenes, but. Yeah, I think every single law show has some element of truth to it. Mainly because I also think that it takes a certain type of person to, to go into law. And particularly, you know, if you have someone who's in, in litigation of any sort, whether it's, you know, corporate or criminal or civil, like I did, it's just, you have to, it's just a certain type of character that's willing to willing to do that work, who wants to get in front of judges, who wants to like, you know, get into, get into this world. And that's why I feel like a show like Suits or any of the other ones, I think does depict in a way that's, that's pretty truthful, just the personalities that you're always dealing with in law from clients to the people that you work with, to the judges that you're up against. So so I think that there is a lot of truth to it, although they're just like glamorized. I wish my life was that glamorous. Well, the good news is that is the deepest question I'm going to ask you in today's interview. So it's only getting worse. Yeah, yeah, no, perfect. Kidding. So how did you, so you went from, you started off in kind of the meditative side of things. So that, is that right? Was that something that birthed out of like, what you were doing legally, like in law, or was it like a coping mechanism for you that you just got really good at and wanted to share with others? Or how did that, how did that start? Yeah. So it started because I was, uh, I mean, when I was younger, I got into yoga and I would meditate before class, although I didn't know at the time that it was. And, um, so I kind of had that, that, uh, experience and that, that, you know, passion for yoga. And then when I started practicing, I was so in over my head, I was so overwhelmed. I felt like, you know, I was in this total fog. And I on a whim one day was just feeling so disconnected from myself. And I happened to pick up a magazine that suggested meditation as a stress reduction um, sort of tool. And this was also, this is a while ago too. So it wasn't as mainstream as it was now, but I just had this intuition of like, maybe I should try that meditation thing. Like yoga really helped me when I was in school and stressed out. Maybe I'll just try out this meditation thing. So I, uh, so I, I taught myself cause there weren't, 
fun apps or things to do it. And, and it, it really, honestly, truly it changed my life at the time. Like I became so much more focused. I, my stress levels went way down and it was so transformational. And then it was soon after that, that I, I was just thinking, wow, this is such a fringe practice for, and at first my focus was just like other professionals. And I thought this is so fringe and it could help so many lawyers or so many other professionals who are so in over their heads right now. And so my initial thing was, I just want to teach, you know, these people, this amazing tool. And because it's me and because I have a similar background to them, maybe they'll be more open to using it. So that was really the initial impetus. Like I had had a really powerful transformation meditating. And then I really wanted to just share it with other people. And was it well-received? Was that, And was that your target audience when you first started? Yeah. When I first started, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'll work with all other lawyers or, or, or people in finance. Cause that was really my world. And they were so closed off. It was unbelievable. Like I pitched to so many law firms and, and, you know, all other people around me and, and I would be posting online about, about stuff and everyone in my world thought that I was absolutely insane. And, and also aside from just getting blank stares, when I would tell people in person, as I was pitching to places, I just got rejection after rejection. So at that point, I pivoted um, and I just started to go, well, where were people resonating and where were people connecting with it? And I sort of, I I originally started teaching meditation um, because I pitched to a few gyms because I thought, okay, well, they're into health in general. Maybe they'll be open to supporting their, their clients' mental health. And that's how I first kind of got my foot in the door was, um, was that way. I had this one boutique gym allowed me to come in and do a, a meditation workshop for their people. But, but basically it's only now, like this has now been eight, nine years, only now am I having a lot of lawyers or people that, that had a similar background to me, reach out to me for their only awakening to it now. Like they were yeah. so closed. And so for several years, I didn't work with any of them. And most of them still think I'm nuts. I think too, but that's so cool. I think you, I think you're, you know you're on the right track when people think you're nuts. Totally, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you how did you deal with the rejection? Um, I think that the lucky thing is I had I was following a lot of other entrepreneurs at the time too, and I think that I just applied. You know, I think a lot of the people that I was inspired by, like there's this woman Lori Harder who's a really amazing um, female entrepreneur, and and she hammered home a lot. Like it's just normal. You're going to get rejection and, and get over it. And I think at the time, just reading other entrepreneurs' stories of all the times they got rejected, that just yeah. was one thing that that really helped me be like, okay, this is just par for the course, and this is what's going to happen. And then I came up with like a little rejection. Um, a little rejection ritual that I would do. Cause you know, you feel the rejection. I would feel it in my body and, and I would create this whole story. Like, what are you doing? You're going to get rejected. You know, we create these narratives. So, so I also created my own, you know, rejection ritual. It's like, you get the rejection. I would take a pause. I'm not going back to my computer for an hour. And I would just say my affirmations, like everything's going to unfold perfectly. I'll be led in a new direction. And I would just, you know, say those affirmations to myself until eventually it became true. That's huge. That internal self-talk is massive, right? Because some people might be like, I'm not good enough. You see, it didn't work out. I told you so. That I, I yeah. call it the, the whiner, right? Yeah, I call it the gremlin. <laughs> My little, like, little yeah, gremlin so, in the corner there. That's so cool. Um, I completely just lost, lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, so, so, yeah, so you go from starting meditation, pitching it, rejection, rejection, rejection. How do you keep moving through that? And how did that start to evolve into the next thing? 
Um, what I ended up doing is I, during that time, interestingly, so I had a few things that were happening with meditation, um, that were starting to unfold, like a few workshops and whatnot. And at that time, I then happened to go to a speaker's event where I heard, it was the same speaker actually, who I said earlier on this podcast about who had said, you know, it's like you're in a relationship and then you meet your soulmate. And so I saw him speak and I went up to him after the speaking event because I hadn't met anyone else who was um, who had, was speaking in this way, basically. And he agreed to meet up with me. I sort of said, these are my, you know, I have this idea, but I keep getting these rejections and I'm not sure what to do. And it was, it was so unlike me too, to go up to him, but I went, I just, you know, felt inspired to. He was so awesome. And he agreed to meet up with me. And, and he was the one actually who then, I explained to him what was happening and he was just further down the line and he said, well, who do you want to help and how do you want to help them? And he helped me get clear. You know, at that point, I really wanted to work with women who are in their late 20s, early 30s. And, I, and he helped me to get clear on the ways that I could help them. And, and that's when I started to think of, OK, well, maybe it's not just meditation. Maybe I really want to coach these women into finding more fulfillment and more ease in their lives. And then. Um, and his advice to me, because I had no coaching experience, I just said, this is who I'd love to help. And he said, well, why don't you just find 10 of them and ask if you can start coaching them? So then that's what I next did. I found 10 women randomly, like I was on a date and, you know, someone would be sitting next to me and I talked to her and then, and then she would end up being like my next client. <laughs> I, I would be on the subway and, you know, I, I'm friendly. So I would just Anyway, I met, I met my first 10 clients in the most random of ways. And that's how that started. I coached people for free for about four months and got a lot of experience with that, such that I felt confident um, to just start pitching myself as a coach. And so that's how I started coaching. And then all the while, while I was building that out, some of these seeds that I'd planted with um, meditation things started to come to fruition sort of slowly, but it was, you know, it started to build out. Basically, my whole shtick has been, I sort of try it out for free for a while and get good at it. And then once I feel comfortable, then then I pitch it as, as something that I actually know how to do. That's cool. And I love how you didn't go the certification route. You're just like, no. I'm just going to get experience. You know what's interesting great. now is that I think that there's so much, you know, I work with so many clients who are always looking for the next certification, the next, you know, the next course or whatever. And, and the interesting thing for me, it's not that I actively tried not to get certified in things. It was at the time, every time when I was looking to build something out, it just didn't exist at the time. There wasn't, you know, a coaching program at the time that I connected with. There wasn't a meditation course at the time when I connected with. So I feel like my path has always just been, okay, well, there's nothing that I can enroll in. So I'm just going to figure it out. And, uh, and I think that that for anyone who's listening, who's thinking that they need a certification, I feel like my story always reminds people that you actually sometimes don't, you need knowledge and you need experience. Um, but that can be, you know, that can be, that can be developed. It doesn't need mm -hmm. to be found in a course. Yeah. I think you're just too ahead of the curve. So the rest of the world's catching up with you. Yeah. One by one. <laughs> making it. Yeah. Just making it, just trying to like fight my way through just making things up on the fly as I go. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that as well, especially in the health space. I call it the certification epidemic, where it's like mm. they're using certifications. And I remember like there's one, um, a friend of mine in school when I went to university, I remember seven years after I graduated, he was still there doing his PhD, next whatever he was doing. And I always thought like, what are you avoiding in life to continually stay here? And I mm -hmm. think that's what happens with a lot of certifications is like they're looking for 
confirmation that they're good enough or that they have to, it's kind of like a safe route as opposed to mm-hmm. putting themselves out there and talking to the person on the subway to become a client. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I think the only, the other thing with, with certifications too is it, is that I think that then people lose, how are they gonna express that certification? So I've seen this so often with other healthpreneurs is that they'll get the certification and then when it comes to actually teaching or coaching or whatever, there hasn't been that same experience um, in learning how they apply it or how they use those tools. So I think that there should be like a a both, you know, getting the certifications while also doing so much of that practice to figure out like, how do you authentically share that? Yeah, totally. And I think like I was, I was talking with uh, someone about this the other day, it's like all of us are coaches in some way, shape or form, right? If you for have sure. kids, you're a coach to your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a coach to yourself, I think, first and foremost, some mm-hmm. better than others. But I think it's a really cool thought process to, to think through because, you know, you don't need to spend six months learning how to help someone if you could just right. have a conversation to move them out of uh, a challenging situation. So mm-hmm. now, like, who are your, who are your perfect clients now? So my perfect clients now are, are women, although I still work with some men, but typically they're women who are at the stage where I call it when they're full, when their soul starts to get really loud, when they start to get that intuitive message of basically either the way that you're living or the work that you're doing or the relationship you're in is no longer the, you know, the direction you're supposed to be going in. And so my favorite people to work with are those who are finally ready to align with their authentic selves, who are ready to make changes in their lives to actually be living or leading in the way that's most authentic for them. So sometimes that looks like, you know, people who are, are building out businesses, um, like especially soulful based businesses. Other times it looks like people who are really ready to, to call in a partner or, or exit a relationship or rethink that. But it's really, I think that so many of us walk around with expectations of others that have been, you know, transposed onto us. And my favorite thing is when people are ready to sort of take off the mask and really become who they were meant to be and live in that way and show up in that way. And so how that manifests is always different for everyone, but that's my favorite thing. When people are ready to just extricate themselves from the shoulds or expectations and just mm-hmm. free themselves. Yeah, it's amazing. It's always great. It's always a blessing to work with people who are willing to do the work, right? Yeah, that's amazing. it. I don't have if, if they're ready to like really get into it, then that's my favorite person to to work with. And I'm sure you come across people who are like, I want to do this. I know this is the thing for me to do, but dot dot dot. Yeah. Right? Whatever. What, what do you What do you in your experience like? What do you think, or what are you seeing that's holding people back from following that intuitive hit? I think um, a big thing is money for people. I think that, um, and I don't, I don't know where it really came from, but I think that there's a lot of people who, in the stability from their job, feel that they couldn't create that stability for themselves um, in another in another career. So I see that a lot for people thinking, oh, if I if I leave this career, how could I possibly find the stability that I have um, in my current job? That's one of the biggest things that I see. The other thing that I, you know, see hold people back all the time is like overthinkers anonymous, <laughs> like people, because I think what happens is you, you have a big vision 
And then it's that you, your logical mind wants to know the 17 steps to get there. And absent knowing that some people just fail to take any steps at all. And so that's the second thing that, that I think I see most often other than people trying to be like, not wanting to walk away from the cushy security of whatever their life offers them um, based on, you know, a fallacy that they can't create it for themselves somewhere else. And the other thing is just, not knowing the how or not knowing the 17 steps and then kind of getting paralyzed then by not taking any action at all. It's so funny. We come up against that all the time. And it's like, what does it look like? I've never done this before. Great. Did you know how to adjust spines before you went to chiropractic college? Mm-hmm. No, but that's why you went to school, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, we're humans are fascinating. Like the way we work is, is just interesting. Uh, Katie, this has been really cool. And I wish we could spend more time speaking together because we could talk about this for hours. Mm-hmm. Before we finish off, what is the best place for people to follow you online and learn more about what you do? Sure. Uh, my The best place to get in touch with me is either through my website, which is my name, katiefenn.com, Katie with a C, uh, same thing, or on Instagram, also under my name, Katie Fenn. So those are two really great places to, to get started. Yeah, awesome. We'll be sure to link up to those in the show notes. Uh, Katie, thanks so much for sharing a piece of your journey with us today. I really enjoy getting to know you again through your journey, and I'm sure our viewers and listeners uh, will as well. So thanks again. Great. Thanks, Yuri. Thank you for joining us on the Coach's Corner. If you didn't know, inside of our private Facebook group, the Healthpreneur Hub, Yuri's show, The Coach's Corner, happens live every single morning with one goal to help you grow your health business. If you want to hear more of The Coach's Corner, then click the link in the show notes to join the Healthpreneur Hub on Facebook for free. And if you want to know the four-step system that predictably fills a health business with qualified, ready-to-buy clients, we want to send you an invite to our free online masterclass. You can find that masterclass at healthpreneurgroup.com show or by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time on The Healthpreneur Show with Yuri Okine.